Fix the Convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hi, I'm Paul Mosenson, founder of New Spark Marketing, a full service marketing firm, and New Spark Consulting, where I act as a virtual or fractional CMO. Welcome to the podcast. The Convince is described as every persuasive element that occurs in marketing from initial ad interest to lead conversion. My goal with clients is to fix the convince process to grow more revenue. So today's guest is Kathy Larkin. She's the owner of Keep It Simple Web Design. She formerly was an accomplished public relations executive in the tourism industry, then became an early star of Twitter marketing strategy, coaching many small business owners on that social platform. Now she helps businesses by writing and designing websites with an eye on lead conversion. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure. No worries. Well, um, let's go right to it because I know a lot of people want to learn more about best practices on web design, etc. So here we go. Um, you know, the homepage is really important. Obviously, it's the first impression. So what are the most important elements in your view of designing a, a website homepage? Well, you, I approach every client with the same initial questions, but each one's tailored to what they need. You know, a business, all business websites need to address their customer needs. So often people come to me and we want to have this, this, and this on the homepage. I'm like, well, those are your like warm and fuzzy inside stuff. That's not what your customers need. Your homepage needs to communicate your brand professional look and feel that fits your industry. Um, it needs to present your offer to your customers and why they should buy from you rather than a competitor. So a homepage, the homepage elements, the images, the text, the font, the all of the options that you choose to put there need to convince them to pick you. Now what's called them um promoting your value proposition, why you versus right. someone else. Yeah, um, you know, you wanna also make sure that their next step is clear. Too many people, too many websites have 14 different options. Well, maybe not 14, but often they have seven. And you really wanna have the path to what action you want them to take on the homepage be clear. You've gotta have each, each element of the homepage lead them a step closer to your brand, whether it's Click this box for a uh, white paper and ex in exchange for an email, or whether it's you're convincing them to buy on the homepage. If it's a simple transaction, B2B often have a longer time frame to buy, but they want to have you in their stable of somebody they could call. You've got to get them to take those steps, and each element of the web, the homepage, has to start that process. Well, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to engage people to learn more, whether they read the resources page and, you know, and, and other elements in order to um, convince them to say, these guys are good, where's that contact form <laughs> or whatever right. the is. Right, and that all starts on the homepage. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, from a design perspective, what do you believe um, is uh, the best way to design a site? you know, from a look-feel perspective? Uh, I think the look and feel is crucial. 
Um, a lot of people say, oh, what typeface you're going to use or what color you're going to use or what image you're going to use. To me, those are all elements of the look and feel and design. Um, I, first of all, I have clients uh, look out on the web and look at their competitors and other sites in their industry and other sites in other industries to pick a few sites that they really like, not that we're going to replicate, but what elements do you, I really like the way these folks, um, it's simple and clean, or I really like here, this is, this one's different from others in the industry and I wanna stand out. So I help, I wanna get their vision involved, not just what I think their site should look like. And then I also consider their branding, logo, colors, What's their industry? Do they, if they're a financial planner, do they really want to be that staid, simple typeface, clean and lean, dark blue colors, blah, blah. Or I have one client who is a niche in her field. And so she's got a little bit warmer colors than you would usually, she uses purple and gold. They're subtle elements, but they're there. She's a woman owned brand and she wants people to know it. So um, all of that goes in and I often find that what grabs me when I find just the right image that tells the beginning of their story. And if I can find an image that happens to match their brand colors, then I know I'm gold and I'm just off and running with it. But, um, and it's also a back and forth with clients giving them, I'm very collaborative in the process. Many web designers will go away and come back and present you with three designs. I'll bring you in early on the process because I really want you to be happy uh, with this. And sometimes I'll steer customers away from what they want to do because it just isn't going to work or there are problems with it. But I'm very collaborative in the way I work. It's what makes my job fun. Mm -hmm. Going back to the color thing for a minute, I've been, I've read a lot about color psychology, right? You know, blue mm -hmm. is warm, maybe red is exciting. And is that just part of the uh, initial? strategy and conversations about the uh, the brand and, and what they want to convey to prospects? Yeah, I mean, if it's a brand new brand that's, I would love to be pulled in the web design at the same time that you're doing your logo and branding, that's ideal. Although that rarely happens unless it's a new business. Um, I will usually work, if they've got branding and a logo and colors, I'll usually work with that. If they don't, I'll try and find a color scheme that fits the business. I've got um, a couple of therapist websites I've done and both of them for instance have, I've used a slightly um, more user-friendly, uh, rounder, approachable font on the site, but still keeping readability as important. Um, but both of those sites are very different with the imagery that we used and the coloration that we used. Neither of them had a logo. Now, one of them has just designed a new logo. And so we're going to now revamp her site based on those colors and images that support her new domain name. So that's going to be a fun process. Um, but it's, it's a conversation as well. Sure. Sure. Hope that answered what you asked. <laughs> sure. Sure. I, <laughs> you know, that's why you, yeah. You know, that's why you got to be, you know, it's always a combination of, um, with websites, I guess, being creative, but also understanding that it's, you know, it's, you know, the image and the brand and, you know, and what you want people to portray when they first visit a site. It's, uh, 
So you can get people analytical as well as creative. I guess that's the point. Yeah, it's a balance. It really is a balance because you've got to you've got to have all the back end stuff nailed, but you've got to make it look pretty or look professional, um, and yet still do the things it needs to do to get people to take action. And th that's a lot of balls to juggle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You've seen a lot of websites. You've worked on a bunch. Um, and um, what do you think are the common flaws of most small business websites, in your opinion? Often, they go a little too far and have too many bells and whistles. Sometimes the designer or the client wants the newest, coolest, shiny new thing. And uh, that may or may not be what their audience responds to. Um, that's why my web design company is called Keep It Simple Web Design, because many people, when, when sliders were hot, that is a rotating image and text, that was the cool new thing. I happen to have one on my website, but it's added flavor. It's not the meat of the website, because there are a number of studies that have done that people do not absorb information from sliders. Uh, enough to to retain the information so example I'll have suggest if my customer really wants one or I think it will support the brand we'll have the meat of the website at the top and below the fold as they say which is old school from newspapers below the fold of the newspaper then we'll put the supporting information in a slider there I've also coded sliders a little differently so that either the image stays the same and just the words change or what I like even better is the words stay the same. We serve customers from A to B and then the images behind that change to show we have customers who are uh, senior citizens. We have customers who are in their thirties and we have t uh, young couples just starting out and those images are going behind, but the words stay the same makes it easier to absorb. But, um, Basically, a lot of times there's just too much going on. I guess that's the second issue I see is there isn't, often there isn't a clear path to what action you want them to take. There are studies that have shown that if you give me too many choices, I may leave the website without making a choice instead of choosing from too many. Whereas if you give me two or three choices versus seven, Instead of thinking seven is better, not necessarily. One or two of the right choices, it's an easier decision for people to make. Okay. Um, I have a question on that though. By the way, um, for the sliders, I know um, at the very least, a common tactic, I guess, is um, testimonials and sliders. Mm -hmm. Right, just uh, at least there's some sort of motion going on, right? Yeah, I, I actually find that somewhat problematic. While it's a cool thing, you've got to have short, punchy testimonials for it to be readable. How many times have you looked at a slider of testimonies, testimonies and the slide changes before you've had a chance to finish reading it? So, oh yeah, that is a pet peeve for sure. Like, oh, okay, well. well what, what, what was that? I wasn't done. Well, there are some sliders that you can set so that they hover, when your mouse is hovering over them, it pauses the slide. That can be great, except most people don't know that, so they're waiting for the next slide to come, and they don't know why it's not coming. Um, so one of the things I do is I will often set the slide time to be longer than 
um, it may originally be set by the website software I'm using to give people a little more time because I'd rather have them read the stuff than be frustrated. True. Well, that's all part of user experience, right? Yep. And, um, and that's, you got to look at all of that. Um, you know, <laughs> the funny thing where you talk about flaws of websites and things like that, I'll give you another one. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's just me, but, um, you know, the stock photos of, of, um, cliched images, I guess, you know, the, the, the professional executive or whatever it is like, Oh, I've seen that picture before. Right. You know, and I guess that's a whole nother angle here is, you know, images and, and that's kind of strategy embedded with your text and graphics. Right. Yeah. Images are important. It's, um, it's really difficult to find a balance. I actually was trying to find a plumber this past weekend and I found myself looking at plumber websites. And one of the websites was John's, John and Jack's plumbing or whatever it was. And you could tell that the pictures were of John and Jack in their uh, t-shirts with the logo, company logo in somebody's basement looking at the sump pump. Well, I was looking to replace my sump pump. I ended up doing it myself, but that website actually would stuck out in my mind compared to the others that had the stock photos. Um, now there might be another time if it's a huge job where I might look at John and Jack's plumbing and instead I need a nationally known firm. I don't know that I trust a small firm to this big job. You know, I got tree roots and I got a, you know, a couple thousand dollar prop. So, it's a balance. Uh, I do do a lot of using stock photos because most of my small business owners don't know their way around a camera, don't have a photographer. I'd love to hook up with a photographer who did business photos. Um, but I usually spend probably more time than a website that I get paid for finding just the right images. There are a lot of stock photo websites that I almost never take the picture on the first page of the search thing. I go to page, I start at page five because most people won't be, go beyond page five of a stock photo, photo site. Um, uh, or, That's interesting, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good tip because people will pick from the first five pages, and you're like, "No, nah, I've seen that before. Let me go a little deeper in search." Because usually the searches bring up a hundred pages of images for whatever you're searching for. Um, there are also some free sites that are a little more artistic, like Unsplash.com, where free to use, great if you can give them uh, credit for it, but you don't even need to. You can use them for commercial purposes. They're a little more artsy. Um, which I find works really well for some of my customers. Others, like my one customer in the pharma industry, I really had to use a stock photo site, but we specifically stayed away from, uh, that's the one that has a little bit of purple on her site. She didn't want, almost all medical images are blue, have a blue 5% um, screen on them. She did not want that. She wanted it more personable, more uh, warm and fuzzy without being over the top. But we had to use a stock photo site because the pharmaceutical industry, there's nothing out there for free that, that does that. Also, be aware, don't, if your customers, as a web designer, I have to be aware that if a customer comes to me with an image, I need to find out where they sourced that. Because a lot of people don't realize you can't just go to Google and grab an image. There are rights and there are people who are out there um, uh, um, suing people if you misuse a photo. So. Um, Taking your own photos is great. I've rarely had a customer that's done it, but um, finding the right image that that really 
supports the look and feel is important. For sure. I have another flaw, by the way, I wanted to mention, um, mm -hmm. when I look at websites myself, right, especially from B2B, is um, the About Us page, leadership team page, right, if they even have one. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of websites I go to, they have nice products, this and that, but I don't know who I'm buying from. Yep. You know, they, they, they kind of limit the, um, you know, who are you? There's no people on the site and you buy from people. And so yeah, people, when people. I consult with clients myself, I said, you know, we need to get, um, you know, your passion on the site, right? And, and, and who you are and your credentials and, and, your, and your company, you know, because otherwise I feel like I'm just buying from words and not from people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something a website can do really well that, you know, a brochure can't. Um, you know, definitely people buy from people. And I think that's one of the biggest learnings about social media. When social media came on the scene, it's like, wait, I get to know who's behind the business. And um, that's an important element of, of websites. Um, who, who's running the business? Often you'll hire, you'll bring in a company and you'll meet the executive and then they turn you over to a junior assistant. Um, and you want to make sure that who you're buying from is who you're going to be working with. And a website can help art if that's the way your business works you can articulate that and we don't turn you over to your junior system you're going to be working with one of the top three people in the field your website you know if your website can can say that honestly that's awesome you know that may help people choose to buy from you rather than somebody else for sure for sure well speaking of people um let's go right to my next question which is video because i'm a big believer of that as well um what are your thoughts and the benefits about video on a website and how to execute it? If video is done well, it can be good. Mostly short videos, um, you know, whether it's the 30 second spot or the under three minutes um, can really help. I've seen some product videos that have jump started sales, um, but it has a couple of benefits. One, it helps people absorb your message via video in a different way than just reading text. You're appealing to their visual and aural or audible senses. Um, that's like surround sound. You know, it, it, it can hit their emotional. Just think of those 30 second uh, uh, Super Bowl commercials. You know, they put, tug on the heartstrings. Now your brand may not tug on heartstrings, but um, a short video that articulates some important aspect of your site of your company um can grab somebody in a way that reading words just never will um also by they spend a little more time on your site while they're watching this video they're exposed to the more your brand there's a little more time to absorb that or their eye may glance over to this offer that you have on the side next to the video also if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Google and search engines also reward sites with the longer the visitor stays. So that's a secondary, very useful reason for video. Sure. You know, I, I would classify video two ways, um, depending on the, the goal of the client, right? Um, if you have a complicated product, obviously, the uh, motion graphic explainer videos can explain something complicated and make it obviously simple, right? Which is... Yep. And, um, and it helps to uh, really understand um, how things work and why you need a product or service if it's 
little hard to understand with the words, right? And and they can be pretty compelling. And then the other ones, like we mentioned before with the leadership team, is um, sometimes people, you know, buy the person. And if yep. you can, you know, show the, the president of the company and his passion and, and things like that, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it can really help. Done well, it can really help. The trick is getting the not too long, not too short, you know, just right like uh, the Goldilocks video, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, speaking of thought leadership and things like that, um, you know, we talk about blogging a lot and having the time and should it be there and how often, yada, yada, yada. In your view, um, what are the advantages of a blog on a site? I'm a big proponent of blog posts. I, I sometimes have to sell them as articles because the word blog, just some CEOs go, ah, blog, ah, ah, what, ah, ah. Um, despite how many times I describe what they are. Um, but I'll give you an example. Just this month, I had a four-year-old blog post convince a client to call me and we're in negotiations on a project. They liked the way I talked about the topic. My website says I'm a geek who speaks plain, simple English. And my blog post supports that message. Uh, I stay away from or I explain jargon. I have a straightforward approach to my work and that was what they were looking for. So many of the other websites I looked at were jargon, jargon, words, words, and I was, you know, so a blog post can somebody to call you over somebody else because of the way it's written. Um, especially if you've got a consistent voice on a blog post, on a blog, um, over time. Blog can also showcase your thought leadership, your expertise, your expert knowledge. It can show in depth more than just a blurb on your homepage or a stock page that that is set to talk about this particular expertise a blog is a little more free form where you can show your approach to that topic um so it can give them more information more in depth or an opinion and hopefully you want it would be they want to, why they want to work with you also search engines love them search engines reward sites both with more well-written content you know on topic articles they also reward sites that have new content and a blog post, even one a month, doesn't hurt. I love it when I have clients that are doing once a week. The event, other advantage of a blog post is you can use them for social media promotion. So if you've got a Facebook page, sending out your blog post via Facebook, driving people back to your website, exposes them to your video and all the other elements we've talked about and can bring in a sale. Um, but almost none of my clients blog weekly. One of them does. <laughs> I love them for it, but most don't. I mean, you can even hire outside writers and then have someone, but you really have to designate someone on your team in your business to work with a blogger so you don't get crappy blog posts. They really have to learn or understand your industry or work with somebody on your team so that you're getting high quality content. One of my clients um, who I do social media work for hired a blogger and the blog posts were thin, not well researched, um, and they stopped using them. We're working up a new strategy because they really helped, even those crappy blog posts helped their brand some. Um, well, the point of the matter is though, is whether you outsource it or not, is they got to represent your brand and your, and your vision. And, um, and your opinions, because at the end of the day, blogs are, um, you know, 
thoughtful opinions based on your knowledge and experience. That's what they should be. If you outsource them, you need to have somebody internally who then tweaks them to fit your brand. Or you've got to outpick your outsourced company well enough that they can learn the voice of your brand. Um, you know, a poorly written blog post can damage your brand. Um, but the right blog post, as I said, can convince somebody it's one of, on one of my websites. I haven't blogged in a number of years, but it was the last blog post, maybe it was three years ago, that was up that convinced them. I re they really, they referenced it. They really liked the way I talked about it. I'm like, okay, I think I need to start rewriting, start writing blog posts again. <laughs> well, here's another couple of points, by the way, with blogging is, um, number one, um, it gives you social media content for yourself, like on your LinkedIn page or Facebook. Facebook, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then when people come back, um, really from a design perspective, we say like, you should have a um, some sort of offer there while they're there, um, because you, you you never know when somebody is attracted to an offer, like a white paper, a guide, or or something else, like in a sidebar, right, or a widget. Exactly, right. When you bring a black a, a blog post instead of on social media promoting some article that the Wall Street Journal did, write your own version of it, not write an opinion piece, uh, <laughs> and post that and you're bringing people to your website yeah it's a little bit like bait and switch somewhat but that's the whole idea right is um well, it's not bait and switch it's it, it's bait and <coughs> that they're happy with what they find in other words you hope that when they when they come to your site they're like oh yeah and let me look over here you know it, it's a way to expose them to your yeah. to your messages again yeah well maybe that's the wrong phrase to use it's almost like cross-sell right like oh this is yeah. very interesting oh while i'm here look here's the deal so yeah. um and then the other thing I wanted to mention was um, that uh, if you do newsletters, right? Well, how do you populate those newsletters? You write the intro to your blog. <laughs> and, and a link and drive them back to your website. Yes, that's a good tactic that I have suggested people use. It's a, it's a very strong one. Yeah, for sure. That's also, funny. one of the other advantages of blog posts is you can really work to do a keyworded title that also you have to balance keywords that will attract search engines and with the words that will attract people and you can drive the right blog post can drive traffic to your site a hundred percent also you one of my clients had written a, a blog post on a particular technique that she no longer used and that blog post was still driving traffic we ended up pulling it down because it was hurting her Google search engine score because people would come see nothing else on her site and bounce off the site without looking at with, because there was nothing else related to that because she shifted her business. We ended up taking it down. It was a successful, useful blog post, but didn't help her at all. Hmm. Interesting. Two more questions, Kathy. Yep. All right. Um, let's talk about lead generation and, you know, the all important contact form or learn more, however you want to word it. Um, always like, you know, more compelling than just contact, but that, that depends on what you want to do. But, um, you know, some people are convinced on your website to do engage with you. So tell me more about your own best practices on web forms, phone numbers, email links, combination. What do you believe is the best way to um, generate leads on a, on a contact form? Well, on a website, I think, I, I think 
People will differ on this answer. I believe in giving people as many ways to contact you as possible because a lot of people hate forms. Um, you know, the CEO of a company is probably never going to fill out my form. However, his uh, assistant might. And if assistant has been tasked with finding something, but the CEO is going to want to make a phone call or going to want to send an email directly. So I suggest having a dedicated uh, email address for the website and a phone and a phone number. Yes, it will generate some spam. You'll have to, that's the price of doing business nowadays. But I believe in giving people multiple ways. Um, a form can be very, a contact form well done can be useful. Um, if you offer three different major main services on your contact form, you say, which of these three services are you want to talk to us about? That way you can get it sent to the right person and you know what this person's interested in when they call, when they, uh, when you return, when you engage with them via email or phone call. However, I see too many sites that have this all encompassing form that takes me a minute and a half to fill out and they want, you know, the name of my firstborn child. I'm not going to, I don't believe, I've only read three pages of your website. I'm not giving you all of that information. Um, so you've got to find balance. However, with lead generation forms, forms are very useful. You know, I will trade you an email address for something that I feel is useful. I'll be ways, my, my moniker is what can we do on the website to make them take a step closer to your brand? They may not be ready to buy today. Start the relationship. So giving them, you know, a freebie download as long as it's good or giving them a free offer and then you come back with an upsell in a week. Um, there are various ways to do it. There are many, many opinions on how to do it, but I believe more is, mm -hmm. is better. Yeah, I mean, the, the web form is important because um, well, it depends on the what the business model is, right? It could right. be a quote, right? You know, e-commerce. Right. Right? Oh, yeah, that's important, like right. That. So, um, but not only that, though, um, you know, you want to keep your field short. You don't want to have too many fields to fill out because, you know, research shows people drop off if there's too many unimportant questions. And uh, I did it twice yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you this much info. I don't want that thing bad enough. I mean, people know that they're going to get nurtured, right? Because the whole web form means, you know, you get transferred to a CRM or marketing automation and, you, you know, you are going to get follow-up you salesperson or you're going to get follow-up emails and you go into nurturing. So it all depends on, you know, the business goal, right? No, but I agree. You should always have a phone number. And, you know, that's another going back to the, uh, the pet peeves of a website is not having a large phone number in the top right because, yep. um, you know, people prefer to call many times and, fill out forms. So. Yep. I, I believe in having a phone number and or email at the top and in the footer as well as on the contact page. That way, no matter where they're looking, it's there. You don't want to smack them in the face with it on every page, but if it's in your, people are trained to look at the footer or the top of the page or on a contact form, as long as you got those three covered. I mean, there are some people who want a minimal site and little as possible, but I believe in making it easy. Don't frustrate your customers when they're, when they're ready to take a step next to your brand. Don't put a wall up. For sure. All right, final question. Um, you're a good designer, um, but in just in general, for people looking to get a new website or update their existing, um, you know, it's like 
almost like hiring a contractor, but um, what are the tips and what people should look for when hiring a web designer or a web design company? Yeah, some of the harder things are when people contact me and they haven't thought it through. So, um, hang on, let me, let me re, let me rephrase that. When you're looking for a web designer, you want to go look at their portfolio. Um, because you don't want to see that all of the websites look alike. You don't want a cookie cutter design for your site unless you're doing a bargain basement, don't have any money, just want to get started. Mostly you want to look at a, a, a and see a variety of websites because websites should fit the business model, the niche, etc. Um, so you want that you want to show that they all really do that. Um, you also want to hire a designer that's got some experience. If you are an e-com an e-commerce website, I'm going to pass you on to one of my friends because e-commerce is not my niche. There are specific tools and needs of an e-commerce commerce website that I've I've done a few simple ones, but anything more complex. You want somebody who's got that specific experience. Uh, on the other hand, I just did a site for a company where they wanted to build a directory of professionals. I said, before I give you my quote, let me do a little research. And I found that I use WordPress, which powers 30% of the internet. Um, it's very flexible and customizable. And I found that there are several plugins, which nowadays would be called apps. It's a specific tool that's an add-on and there was one specifically that did a directory. I'm like, yes, I can do this. It will cost a little bit extra to do this, but that's no problem. Um, so you want to, first of all, do you like the look and feel of what they've done? Second of all, talk to them. Do you like how they talk? Are they, are you a geeky person who eats up jargon, understands it, and they're talking your tech language? Or are you somebody who doesn't like tech and you'd rather work with somebody like me who's, you know, not going to use all those fancy words that, without explaining them? Um, you know, who, UI, CX, DX, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. You know, CSS, HTML, you know, what's that? WordPress, what's that? I have analogy I use, analogies I use for describing that stuff. But there are some people that or get somebody who's in your industry. There can be web designers who specialize in, in the medical website. If that's your industry, find somebody. Also go with word of mouth. Who have you your uh, friends and colleagues worked with? Um, and then start asking questions from there. Uh, the other thing is while you're looking at hiring a designer, start the design process yourself. One of the most frustrating things is, is as a designer is that people want to hire me, but they haven't thought what they want on their website at all. So I give them homework um, while I'm setting up the back end of the website, um, doing all the software behind the scenes, security plugins, all that stuff. I set them the task of finding, you know, a couple of representative websites, what they like, what they one they don't get. Show me one you don't like. Find one that's not in your industry that has something interesting and start writing the text of your website. Start planning out what pages you want or what changes you want so that you don't hire the web designer and they're in holding mode for a month, which has happened to me more often than I would like to say. 
Um, so, so think about the process. Um, so you're not coming to the designers a blank slate. It's a collaborative process. The more information you can give the designer, don't go out and design the page. I mean, I did have one client who was doing a, a wireframe description of how they wanted the page to be laid out exactly. To me, that was like, um, it was good to know what they wanted, but I, before I accepted the job, I said, you're going to give me this, but I need room to maneuver because what you think will, as a non-designer, what you think will work on a page or look good on a page may not translate. Also, uh, if you hire a website writer, one of the last clients I worked with did that, and we found we had to adapt the text she'd come up with because we had to break it up differently on the page. So the to me, a collaborative model works best. Okay, good stuff. Of course, um, one thing I also wanted to mention, by the way, is um, the focus, which we didn't talk about here, but I'll just mention it anyway, is um, mobile responsive, right? And, oh, definitely. You know, and you know, I, I really, <laughs> you know, it's, it goes without saying that if you're ever going to get like a, like a prototype website from a designer and you want to look at, um, um, you know, the initial look feel, basically, I always say like, well, let me see what it looks like on mobile first now. And desktop is almost secondary, but you need both, right? Because you're going to ask questions. Well, because mobile, everything is like one column, you know, where desktop, you can go three or four columns, whatever, right? Right. So how does that look? And, and so that's important to me is, um, you know, how far do people scroll versus clicking through and, and before they um, get the point to engage with you? Um, well, you, you know, yeah, what I mean? you, so it's yeah. about all those things. Sorry. Yeah. You, you got to take a look at um, how much text you have in each sort of building block on the home page and how it looks on mobile, because um, you used to be able to have two different pages, one targeted to mobile, but Google has said, no, mobile first. So we are all as designers sort of shifting around. I still design on the desktop first because it's simpler, but it used to be the last step, but now it's once I've got the basic design, how does it look on mobile and what do I need to tweak? Uh, but you can't do it too soon because if, the, if they haven't edited their text, uh, you know, if they haven't decided what text they're gonna have yet, um, that makes it difficult, but definitely uh, image optimization. Should an image show, should a video show when it's on mobile or do you skip that? Um, I've watched in the Google Analytics trends that over the last five years, the there is still an awful lot of desktop, but mobile has been growing in leaps and bounds. You know, for sure. is ubiquitous. For sure. Well, um, we're just about out of time, so I just wanted to thank you for uh, joining me today, Kathy. Great discussion. Thanks for, for having me on the show. Sure. Well, let me give out the um, lead generation part of this, which is some call to action as we uh, wind up. If you want to reach Kathy directly and talk about web design, you may, um, even though you're listening, you may call her at 484-802-7575. Or email her at Kathy with a C at keepitsimplewebdesign.com. Keepitsimplewebdesign.com. You know, that's her website. Web, keepitsimplewebdesign.com. Keepitsimplewebdesign.com. It's long, 
but it says what I do. Keep it simple, web design, two concepts. Yep. All right, I'm Paul Mosenson, and if you want to reach me directly, I'm at 215-315-7780, or just look me up on the internet, fixtheconvince.com. I'm Paul Mosenson again, New Spark Consulting. Thanks for listening, and look forward to having you hear the next one. Um, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.